Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Fig Nuts podcast. This is episode four of season six. And if you've counted them all together, that's 243 episodes. My name is Britt. I'm Craig. And we are joined by our two favorite contributors. Everyone, please welcome back Cinch. Hello. Thank you for having me back. And you can tell by the lack of reverberation. See, I didn't say the E word there. If I say the E word, he who shall not be named over there will start talking. <laughs> but I didn't say the E word. I said reverb. So Cinch has returned from the void that is New Jersey. How was your trip? It was great. It's always nice to leave. It's always better to come back. Indeed. We're also joined by our other favorite contributor, Sean. Sean, how are you? I'm great. How That's, are you? I, I am fantastic. I'm going to be even better in a minute because I'm reaching for the cooler. Uh-oh. Because you know what time it is, gentlemen. Let's just go around the horn. Let's start with Cinch. Cinch, what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a Plutonium 94 Black IPA from my favorite brewery in New Jersey, Oyster Creek. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. And Have you, you had you it wanna... before? No, I haven't. Okay. Very well, dark. You... 10%. Ooh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, let's cinch... go ahead. I, I did a pour, so I've got to wait. He's pouring it. All right, Sean, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I am also drinking a Plutonium 94 Black IPA because our friend Cinch decided to bring some back for us. So Isn't that nice? How yes. about that? All right, so you're going to open yours. Craig, please tell, tell me you're drinking a Plutonium 94. Um, How great would that be? <laughs> I'm not, though I do have a beer that Cinch brought me from Oyster Creek Brewing. This is the half, ugh, sorry, label finger. Anyway, Half-Life Hefeweizen Blueberry. Oh, Christy loved that. Oh, yeah? Christy absolutely loved that. Well, I'm going to break the trend here. I'm sorry, guys. You guys all have these great beers from, what was it called, Oyster Creek? Yes. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not drinking a black IPA or the Hefeweizen uh, I'm drinking the Critical Mass New England IPA from Oyster Creek Brewing because Cinch brought me a can of that. So I'm going to pop that bad boy open. There we go. So we're all, so tonight has been sponsored by Oyster Creek Brewing. And by sponsored, I mean <laughs> they gave us nothing. Oh, my God. This is like, oh, my God. Cinch, did you drink this? Yes, it's good, right? <laughs> it's, it's, I, it's sucking the light out of the room. It's so dank. <laughs> It's like a black hole. It's like it's like that thing from Harry Potter that turns off lamps. There's light. It's just being sucked into it. Holy crap. All right, well, listen, I'm having a headset issue on my end, so I'm going to cut, cut over really quick for to, to Cinch. Cinch, tell us about the, uh, the Plutonium 94. Well, it is extremely dark. It has a nice, fluffy, frosty top that I poured, and... I'm having a hard time describing what it tastes like. It, it's good, but I'm just, I, I need another sip. Okay. okay. Can you hear me? Can, can you guys hear me okay? Yes. All right. I think problem rectified. All right, Sean, tell us your thoughts on the Plutonium 94. I like it. It's got, um, a, a, I want to call it a dryness to it, but it's not like, you know, sucking every ounce of moisture out of your mouth, but it's got that nice, um, IPA-ish kind of, you know, bite at the end there. It's a little bit like a, a, on a, I would say a bittery side, you know, yes. kind of that kind of a bite to it. So mm -hmm. I like it very much. All right. I'm going to tell you right now, I just took a sip of the, what is this called? Crucial Mass? Critical. Crucial Mass is the one that's made locally. Critical Mass. And this beer is best described as it, you know, I, I love my analogies when it comes to beer. It is like you hear a knock at the door and you're like, who's on the other side there? Who is it? And you hear, oh, beautiful naked supermodel. And you're like, oh, okay. And you open it up and it's your Aunt Edna. <laughs> <laughs> it is super sweet up front. And then the moment you swallow, it just sucks the moisture right out of your mouth. It is so dry on the back end. It is insane. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a really light IP. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nice. I'm not saying I dislike it. I just was not ready for it because when you know when you see dank, when you, I mean this thing is this thing is somewhere between orange and brown. Like I can't even describe the color on is it. Is it it's burnt almost, orange? <laughs> it, it's it's ye more yellow than that. It's I, I can't even just I, like I got to get a box of Crayolas. 
because I honestly don't know what to put next to this to tell you what color it is. I don't, I'm not, I don't dislike it. I'm just surprised by it. Craig, tell us about the beer you have. Uh, so the beer I have, it's to me, it is dark for a Hefweizen. Like it's not, you know, yellow ale-ish color at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't get any blueberry yet, though. It's all banana to me. Really? Yeah. That's common in Hefs, though. Hefs, it is. Hefs I mean, it's the main flavor. like flavor profile, but I don't get any blueberry yet. Anyway. Interesting. But it's good. I'll have to check. I'll have to check my wife later and see what she thought of the if she got blueberry on it. I think she. I think of course what she said. It was strong on blueberry with her. Maybe you need to shake the can. You know, mix it up. <laughs> it's already in the yeah, glass. <laughs> twist twelve. Well, then stir the glass. I guess I don't know. <laughs> All right. So moving on. Thank you, thank you to Cinch for the beer. We appreciate it. And thank you to Oyster Creek for providing Cinch beer so that we could give a, a nice taste for it. Um, so we're going to skip Burning Hot Takes this week. And the reason we're going to skip Burning Hot Takes, even though this is our tight end kicker and defense spectacular, and we all know that, that takes, <laughs> it takes hours to cover those three positions, we're going to skip uh, Burning Hot Takes because we just want. I'm going to focus tonight on the big news that's hit the last couple of days, and that is the suspension of Deshaun Watson. Um, so just, if you've been living under a rock, Deshaun Watson's judge, a retired judge named Sue Robinson, uh, put out her findings and, uh, recommended a six game suspension earlier today. The NFL signaled its intent to appeal that using a clause in the CBA that allows them to put, put it to the commissioner or their designee for review. This review does not allow for, the, for more evidence to be presented. The only evidence that can be considered is the evidence that is evidentiary in the findings. So there's, it's not like they're going back to trial again. There's not going to be more interviews. It is only based on the findings available. And reportedly, the NFL is seeking a year-long suspension. I just want to go around the horn on this one a little bit. We'll start with Craig. Craig, was six games enough... There's a multi, multi-level question. Was six games enough? What should the suspension have been? And what do you think it will end up being? Uh, so clearly six games is not enough, especially if you look at uh, other suspensions the NFL has handed out for other reasons. And I know all of those other reasons are outlined in their player agreement and whatever. But if you look at those reasons and the everyday normal person looks at those reasons and looks at the time that they got, it makes no sense. So what? Yeah. What should he have gotten? To me, I admit at the very least a year at least. And he should have been fined. Like the other thing that bothers me about this whole thing is his giant contract. None of that gets touched. He's still going to get so, all of that money. And so the last part of the question, what do you think he'll end up with? Uh, I, you know what? I don't really trust the NFL to do anything and they're never going to be the moral police. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be shocked if he gets a year, but I can see them bumping it up to like, I don't know, 10 games maybe, but I don't right, know. The, the NFL is going to have to surprise me. Let's jump to Sean with the same set of questions. Sean was six games enough. Definitely not. Six games was definitely not enough. Um, I'm actually surprised that the judge came down with six games. Um, I think it should be at least a year, if not more. Um, I mean, six games, it comes to like less than a quarter for each accusation there, which I think is ridiculous. Um, I think the NFL is just trying to save, not save face, but try to be like, oh, look, we actually want them to have more games. So, you know, Look, we're the good guys here. They're trying. I think. I. I, th- I don't think they don't. Ca- they don't care if it's only six games. I think they're just trying to make themselves look better mm-hmm. by putting this appeal in, um, which will probably end up adding what two games to it. Um, it'll be eight, and you know they'll get sued by Watson's team, which will lead to nothing, and and then it'll all just kind of disappear, right? Because that's what happens, and in, in this thing, they start playing, and everyone kind of forgets. So that's what they're banking on. You think they'll end up with eight games is where you think it's going to end up. Yep. Cinch, was it enough? Six is ridiculous. I think the biggest problem I have, the judge was presented with five cases and found him guilty on four. I don't understand how 
if there are over 20 accusers, how it could just be five cases. But even so, if in the judge's opinion he was guilty on four of these and he got six games, Ben Roethlisberger was accused of something by one person on one night on one occasion and got six games. Mm-hmm. So if Watson is doing this for two years, three years, however long from beginning to end with 25, 50, 75, 100 women, how is it he should only get six games? It's ridiculous. The NFL has a problem. There's no solution because nothing they do is going to be right. What do you think he should have got? You know what? I mean, I don't want to be too excessive, but at the same time, (laughs) you know, he sounds like a real pervert, a, a guy that just, Icky. He sounds icky. Yeah. Icky, icky should begin with a year. There's a problem when you're bringing NDAs to your massa- to your therapist to sign before you have it. It's like, really? I mean, come on. Yeah. What do you think? All right. So given that, given we don't agree with that and we, and we think this is what it's going to be. What do you think? What do you think would actually end up being cinch? I think it'll end up being six games. It'll say it's six. Okay. So I agree with my contributors. This is the six games is an insult and it just fuels the further fire that we have seen brewing. I don't know, since the Ray Rice incident that the NFL doesn't care until about problems until they're problems. It's like, it's like watching your house catch fire and say, well, you know what? We don't really use the garage. So if the garage burns down, I'll just claim the insurance money and rebuild it. And then the fire spreads to your living room. And you're like, crap, that's where my sports collectibles are. And now we've got a problem. That's how the NFL treats all this stuff. And this is another example of how it happens. Six is not enough. I agree with my guys there. I think a year is a good place to start. I think the league's definition of we want an indefinite suspension. Why do we treat this entire process any different than we treat... The, the, the substance abuse policy where there is a minimum number of games and then you reapply to be back in the league. Do you, if I'm Josh Gordon right now, I'm sitting there going, man, I should just go out and kill a guy instead of smoking weed because I'd get less games. I mean, seriously, it's that true. is he how didn't, absurd. What, he didn't play for what, two years, three years. And, and, and he would be active for three games and then he would relapse. The dude had a mental problem and he was self-medicating with weed and he openly acknowledged that this is, this is insane because how they work the system. Because, well, not even that because weed, but because drugs, I guess, you know, affects how their game is played and affects their game directly. This does not. So they are, they are like, you know, don't ask, don't tell, don't care. You know, it doesn't affect our integrity of our game. So guess what? Not that it doesn't affect the decency of their game. And again, I'm not going to use morality because people can use morality to do crazy things, Roe versus Wade. Um, And so because the betting, the drugs, they affect the integrity of the game. And it's, you know, that's why they suspend that so much more than this. And you're right. And I just want to point out the absurdity of that because Sean is right. It's all about protecting the shield, as the old expression goes. Protect the league. Just think about that for a moment. A single football game's integrity is worth more than the health and safety of four victims. Now, we know there's more victims than that because there's been multiple lawsuits. I'm going to focus on the people in the report. And there is four of them that the judge said, yep, they are credible. I read the entire report. I actually have it on the screen in front of me. Okay. There's four people that she said they're credible. This is the NFL hands out stricter suspensions for the integrity of a football game than it does for the health and safety of four women. And there is no denying that. It's like going to a kid's soccer game and getting thrown out because you throw a chair onto the field after a bad call, but then nothing happens to you if you shoot three parents on your way to the car. 
That's essentially what the NFL said. Well, the NFL, I didn't, I didn't tell him he could or couldn't shoot people. And that's the other part of this. For people who know me, they know I talk very little about directly what I do for a living. I mention it. I allude to it. Part of what I do is I do write legal findings at times for the state of Connecticut. This is the worst legal finding I have ever read short of the Roe versus Wade overturn. It is so partisan and so targeted. The fact that this judge points out that these sexual assault allegations are, quote, non-violent, end quote, is offensive to me as a human being, not as a podcaster, not as a football fan, as a fucking human being, and it should be offensive to all of us. There is no such thing as non-violent assault. And we've had this discussion with other people who have been like, well, you got to think about the legal definitions, but I don't. And here's why you don't. Because in section two of her findings, she addresses conduct that poses a general da genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person. And in that section, she admits the NFL has no policy that prohibits posing a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person. She admits the NFL does not have a policy against safety threatening. And at the end of it, she still agrees with the NFL and says her, their findings show that he did pose a genuine danger. She literally says in section two of the findings, yeah, you know what? A, a common sense approach to this would indicate that you should not probably put people in danger and that the, the, the actions of Deshaun Watson put them in danger. And then in the findings at the end, she goes, the NFL doesn't have a policy strictly saying you can't sexually uh, assault people in this manner, so I really don't feel comfortable. It is a terribly written ruling. It is bad. This judge takes liberties with the system in two different directions at two different points in this that make me scratch my head. Because I had discussions, and these guys were in a group thread with one of the folks who had an interesting point of view on this. That basically said, well, the judge is limited by NFL policy, except in section two, where she says there's no policy on this, so I'm going to make it up. It is badly written, and I believe it was intentionally badly written to make the NFL look bad. She wanted to sit there and point out, well, you guys don't do a good enough job with this stuff. As a matter of fact, she writes it in the findings section. She basically calls them out. Hold on, I'm looking for it. Where is it? I'm going to do this live. The NFL has recommended that Mr. Watson be suspended for at least the entire 2022 NFL regular and postseason and not be permitted to return unless he satisfies any conditions imposed for reinstatement. According to the NFL, if this recommended sentence is unprecedented, as characterized by the NFLPA, that is because his conduct is unprecedented. She acknowledges that we've never seen this before. She acknowledges that we've said this. And then she goes on to say, I am bound by standards of fairness and consistency of treatment among players similarly situated. You acknowledge a paragraph earlier that you've never seen something this severe. And then a paragraph later, you're like, you know, I can't give him more than six. I'd love to, but you guys didn't do a good enough job writing your rule book. I, I am absolutely, it's insane. It's insane. Everyone here is right. More than more than six games is 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 should be should be applied. And, and I mean, and, and it, all right. Last last bit before I, I toss it over to my guys. In the conclusion, she opens the NFL may be a forward facing organization, but it is not necessarily a forward looking one. Just as the NFL responded to violent conduct after a public outcry, so it seems the NFL is responding to yet another public outcry about Mr. Watson's conduct. She's not wrong in that statement. The NFL is reactive, not proactive. But what does this have to do with the legal facts of the finding? Absolutely nothing. And that is the issue. This is a poorly written, very biased piece. USA Today pointed it out. NFL Sports point. Uh, I'm saying NBC Sports pointed it out. This judge decided to take a shot at the NFL system, and in the process. She has discredited her entire process here. You cannot sit there and go, well, I'm bound by the law, but I'm going to make it up because you guys don't have a policy here. I'm going to use what I think should apply here, but not there. And that's exactly what she did. And at the end, she went, 
By the way, the NFL, this would have been a lot easier if you had more, more specific policies, so up yours. Judge Sue Robinson fucked this up. And now we all have to deal with the fallout that she, as a judge, decided to take a personal position against the NFL and apply the law as she saw fit. It's bullshit. Craig, say something so I don't. Ha- I can stop talking. I'm going for like <laughs> 10 minutes straight and I'm done with it. So, yeah, I totally just, I agree with Britt. This is, she did this as to try to make an example out of the NFL, which I think if she worded it correctly, this could have worked. Yeah. But considering she, <clears throat> excuse me, she went back and forth between positions in several paragraphs. It, it, you're right. It totally screws it up. I think she she had a she had a goal in mind. She was like, "Yep, this is going to make the NFL change." And now it's just a complete complete mess that the NFL has to that the NFL has to deal with. And Lord knows by their track record, they're they're just going to fuck it up even more. Uh, and just to give people an example of when I say like people get suspended over really stupid things, uh, Tyrell Pryor. Oh, he, remember him? Yep he he was suspended five games for receiving free tattoos at Ohio State. Yep. Free tattoos, five games. Yep. Up teen women over five years. And and also, really quick, my point of view, the Texans are totally to blame for this because no one can convince me otherwise that they did not know what he was doing. I c- hey, they knew. Let me just jump in really yeah. quick to, yeah. to that point. There is nothing in this ruling about the Texans' involvement. Funny how nothing. that works. <laughs> it's like the NFL just was like, like they, like they pushed like the Texans out of the way. I was like, okay, this is all Watson. Let me, you know, shut up over here. Get out of here, McNair. <laughs> That's what they did. And you're right. Again, it comes down to protecting the shield. Sean, I want to throw it to you into the cinch really quick, and then we're going to move on to other other things. Sean, am I wrong in how I'm looking at this? What or what did I miss? I don't think you missed anything. I think uh, it's exactly what you're saying. Uh, I mean, and, and the fact that the Tex or the Texans didn't know what was going on—they're the ones that provided uh, Watson with the NDAs after someone came out, you know, saying that something happened, you know, in 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 these uh, therapy sessions. Um, so the fact that they they have no, they're like oh wash our hands of it we don't have any idea what's yeah, going that, on that wasn't our hotel room we paid for we weren't there yeah you know yeah it's just uh again they're just they're just going to go and try to i am actually surprised they appealed it i figured they're just want to sweep it under the rug and get it over with as quickly as possible they want to look proactive they want to look like they're proactive they're doing something yeah i mean that's the other thing is that they're trying to look like the good guys here by appealing yep now but but they really just want it to go away as fast as possible and you know as soon as deshaun watson comes back and and if they start winning and of course the team you know i don't blame cleveland fans if they start rooting for their team to you know to win because that's their team Uh, you know that's what it is I, i thought about this and said what if he was on the bears and and they started winning when he came back. I mean, would I root for them? And it's like, I, 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 I can't blame them for rooting for them because that's the team. They might not like the guy, but that's what the NFL's hoping for. And, and nope. just everything, you know, just goes away. So before I throw it to Cinch really quick, I want it because Sean brings up a really great point. I lived through that, Sean. I lived through the, it was my guy with Kareem Hunt. And let me tell you, the hours that that all broke down from Kareem Hunt's reported involvement in altercation, team says they knew about and everything's fine, to video surfaces, to Kareem Hunt has been cut by the Chiefs, literally happened in about a four-hour span. In that four hours, by the way, I was drunk. It was a Friday night, I think. I don't remember the exact day because I was drunk. And I was on my couch, and the only person present was my wife. And I went from, oh. One of our players just got in trouble, but the team says it's on top of it, a pop of it. An hour later, I'm like, wait, the team's not on top of it. The team's saying they, they, they were lied to. Shit, they just cut him. I, I literally, in that hour between shit things going down and shit they cut him, I looked at her and I said, can I watch the Chiefs? 
knowing this guy's on the team. And the Chiefs for, fortunately saved me that decision because they made the decision, this is not worth it. We're going to cut him. But yes, I was, I've been there, and I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know what I would have done if they had retained Kareem Hunt. Would where's I have been comfortable? Hunt? What's that? And where's Hunt now? Hmm. Same team Cleveland. we're talking about. The tire fire that's Cleveland. All right, but back to the main thing. Cinch, I gave a very long-winded explanation. Did I miss anything? Am I completely off base? Your quick thoughts. I think the biggest problem with what the judge did, it seemed like she disagreed with what she was doing. Yes! Well, if she disagreed, she's got the, the pulpit. She's got the microphone. She could have come down and said, five-year suspension. Yep. It's going to be appealed if she says, one game, 100 games, doesn't matter. Yep. She could have said, you guys need a policy. Everything you've done so far is inadequate and wrong. I'm setting it right now, starting right now. If you do this, the league is going to come down hard on you five years. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have held up. It would have been brought down to less. But when you say so many women have been abused by this guy and all of that amounts to six games, mm-hmm. and by the way, that guy over there that did an illegal hit, we're going to give him one game. And that guy mm-hmm. over there that, you know, he got caught with an illegal PED that maybe he didn't even know what he was taking and he thought it was a supplement, we're going to give him six games. Well, Eight. how does any of it make sense? Eight for, De- for Hopkins. DeAndre. DeAndre Hopkins is that exact situation. Well, there you go. You're right. You're right. And that's and that's that's the thing I just I can't rectify. Well, there isn't precedent set for such a thing. Then you set the precedent. If Exactly. I, Why are you there if you're not gonna set the precedent? If I literally find a way to co- to to commit a crime that no one has seen before, but the entire populace agrees is a crime. You have to set the precedent for it. If I go into outer space and I murder Craig, and I come back and I go, you can't prosecute me, there's no laws about murdering people in space. And it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court sets the precedent. In this case, you're acknowledging that this has never happened before, so you don't know what to do. You set the precedent, and you set it high. And I agree with Cinch completely with that. You All guys right. are going to space? I'm saying if we did. Maybe. I have no Can I go? Maybe. I mean, but you're going. You're not asking no. me. I want to go, no. too. You can't go with us to space because then you would be a witness to me killing Craig. <laughs> Look, I'll help kill him. I want to go to wow. space. Oh, now, see, now we got accomplices. You just made this even worse. <laughs> and you know, Sean knows about it. Fine. <laughs> and yeah. Sean, Sean's, a, yeah, Sean's a conspirator now. We're going to have to get rid of Sean. <laughs> In space. Great. Now we got two charges. <laughs> I just want to end on this before we get on to tight end. Oh, go ahead, Sean. What do you got? I said, and anyone who's listening, you got to get rid of them too. <laughs> yes. I just want to point out, uh, this is the last thing I want to say on this. This is something I've been sitting on this entire conversation because I think you guys backed it up on, on this. Again, I write, I've written these. I've written similar statements in what I do. There's a footnote on page 15 in the findings that absolutely stuck out to me. She notes in the findings... Quote, here the NFL is attempting to impose a more dramatic shift in its culture without the benefit of fair notice to and consistency of consequence for those in the NFL subject to the policy. End quote. Before I even get to the footnote, you don't have to be, no- you don't have to be notified as an adult that sexual assault is wrong. Just saying. But the footnote for that reads as follows. I note in this regard that the policy is equally applicable to players and team owners and management. The NFLPA questions whether it is fair and consistent to severely punish Mr. Watson for his non-violent sexual conduct, there's that term again, and not even charge various team owners who have been accused of similar or worse conduct. She basically looked at the NFL and went, what about Dan Snyder? And the NFL went, well, you know, Dan Snyder isn't, isn't a player, and, you know, the NFLPA doesn't apply to him. She went... Oh, I see. So the conduct is not the same? Okay. Listen, the NFL, Dan Snyder does not have a union representing him. To use that as an excuse for, oh, well, he didn't really have fair warning. Lady, I don't know how you became a judge. I don't know if you were a political appointee or if you were elected, but either way, you were a mistake. 
end of story. Involving you in this case was a mistake. I don't care if you wrote a thousand decisions before this that were lauded in the Supreme Court and written into the freaking annals of history in stone. You botched this. Yeah, she was <clears throat> She was definitely more her, the lawyer side of her career during this, I feel. Which is exactly what USA Today said. USA Today said she received this like a lawyer hearing what she wanted to hear. Yep. She walked into that room with a preconceived notion, and that right there and then as a judge or advocate disqualifies you. If you walk into jury selection and you look at the defendant and you go, oh yeah, he looks guilty, they don't put you on that jury because you are biased. She carried a bias. Yep. And then really quick sidebar, for anyone listening to this and they're like, Oh, Britt really didn't read the entire report. I can tell you for a fact that Britt is our document guy. He definitely read the entire thing. Twice. <laughs> Twice. In so including <laughs> including the fucking footnotes. <laughs> nobody read nobody somebody sees that little fifty one at the end of a sentence and they're like, okay, that's what she's citing. I went and read the footnotes. <laughs> Folks, I have written four hundred page findings like this before. Four hundred pages. Was my longest one. Single spaced. <laughs> uh, well, it's in a, it's in a format that the oh, state right. provides me, so it could be. Yes, you have to consider double space. I know my shit when it comes to this stuff. I am not a lawyer. I am not a judge, but I've worked with them frequently. And let me tell you, this is bullshit. Let me tell you what's not bullshit: our tight end rankings. Dun, 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 dun. And we're gonna get into them right now. Breaking news: Here's our top five. Number one is Travis Kelsey, even though Craig does not think so. Number two is Mark Andrews, where the entire group is split on where he should be. Number three is George Kittle, if, at the time you're listening to this, he hasn't already hurt himself. Number four is Darren Waller, and number five is Kyle Pitts. All right, I want to start really quickly. We're just going to touch base really quickly on each of these guys and move forward. Craig, you rated Travis Kelsey at number three, the lowest of anybody on this podcast. Why do you have Mark Andrews and George Kittle ahead of Travis Kelsey? Uh, because I think Kansas City's deep threat has changed drastically, and that is going to affect Kelsey's targets. So I think they'll be able to adjust, but it's going to be, I'm going to have to see how they actually play first. You're Cause... wrong, and you're a terrible person for saying all of that. <laughs> but you do like Mark Andrews. Tell me why you like Mark Andrews. I like Mark Andrews because the Ravens offense has not really changed that much. They're going to keep doing the same thing. And he's Lamar's safety net, and we all know how I feel about Lamar throwing long passes, so that's why. Number three overall we have is George Kittle, except for Cinch and Sean. They have him at five. Now, that's not a huge difference, but when you're talking about the top five players and how closely they're ranked, to have him at five it seems a little bit off. Let's start with Sean on this. George Kittle at five, why? Uh, because, as you said earlier, if he hasn't hurt himself already, way too many injuries, uh, Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller are, I think, much safer picks there. So that's why I think, I mean, if Kittle's healthy, he could be number one. You know, if he's completely healthy, definitely he could be number one. But you can't, you don't might not want to take that risk. So I think Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller are better options there. And obviously Kelsey and Andrews there. So Inch, George Kittle, you're down on him. Do you agree with Sean? Is it too much of an injury risk? It's injury, but more than anything... It's like everything I say comes back to who is the quarterback. I don't believe in Trey Lance. I haven't seen him do anything yet. A lot of it goes to the quarterback. And yes, of course, injury. He hasn't been on the field enough. That being said, I ranked him five. I didn't rank him 18. Yeah, it's not like it's dropped him out the top 10. Yes, it's the quarterback. It's always the quarterback. So I'm going to expect that's the answer for the, my next question, which is you're the highest on Darren Waller since you have him all the way up at number two. As I recall from our previous discussion about quarterbacks, you have a significant amount of money, including <laughs> your home equity, tied up in uh, one Mr. Carr. Is, is that is that because you have faith in Carr that you have Waller so high? I like Carr. Everything that you've seen Waller do so far that has people ranking him everywhere top five. Everything that you've seen, now he had the best receiver in the league, Devontae Adams, added to the team. So you might say he's going to lose targets. I think he's going to lose double teams, and that'll make it easier for him 
Ooh. to catch it and go. Target efficiency increases. Interesting. Craig, you were not as high as on Darren Waller. You have him down at seven on your list. Tell us why Darren um, Waller isn't top five. For me, it's because of his knee injury from last year. He did miss six games, and he did only have two touchdowns. And he's also, Devontae Adams is there now, and I feel like that's going to cannibalize some of his receptions, targets. Fair point. So, so since just looking at efficiency, you're looking at just pure targets. Yep. That's kind of, It's an interesting way of looking at this. You both agree that Devontae Adams is going to take some targets here, but at the same time, that could mean good things or bad things from Waller. Cinch thinks it's good. Craig thinks it might be bad. But see, what I, what I think is, with Adams there, okay, he's getting more targets than Waller had in the past. Waller will, will drop down a little. But if Adams is catching the ball on third and eight, okay, instead of throwing to a double-team Waller on third and eight or Renfro on third and eight, you're going to Adams, who's the better receiver of the three. Now you're picking up additional three additional downs. So that's why I... Think what I think. I think that's. I think you both have valid points on that. I don't know what to think about Darren Waller, and and we were, we were, we were early, <laughs> we were big, big on Darren Waller. <laughs> that very first week, we were like, oh my god, he's only two thousand dollars, and we here he might be decent. We made a shit ton of money that first <laughs> week two years ago when he made his debut. I I just I picked up my phone. And I'm like, holy crap! And I looked at my DFS numbers. So. Kyle Pitts, we have at number five, as I discussed. We're pretty much between three and six on him. What's interesting is the number six we're pretty divided on. Dalton Schultz. Since you have Schultz all the way down at nine on a Cowboy team that's loaded, why? Well, I would argue that you think the Cowboys are loaded. Unless they've hit the liquor bar, they're not loading it any way are they loaded. <laughs> um, you know what? Schultz is good. Stay on the field. Do what you're supposed to do. He's good. He's top 10. I just don't think he's anywhere closer than where I ranked him at nine. I would rather have other guys that are going to come up like Goddard or Hawkinson. I'd rather have those guys. I, I am done waiting on TJ Hawkinson to be TJ Hawkinson. I'm done. All, all we've done is this, guy's, yeah. this guy can do it. This Me guy can do, I'm <laughs> done with that. I'm going to make a bold statement right now. Dalton Schultz, if he stays healthy... Because no matter what you say here, everything has to come with the parentheses <laughs> yeah. if he stays healthy. I, Dalton Schultz is the new Dallas Goddard. I think he's going to be the go-to guy in the short passing game. I think what few targets that Zeke got are going to end up going to Schultz. I think Zeke is going to be mainly a running back, and they're going to they're going to try and shift to a more 50-50 model than ever before. They're also going to split him with Pollard. I just look at it as Schultz going to be, it's third and four, and we're passing, I'm looking for Dalton Schultz. He's going to be that guy. And if he's going to be that guy, he is going to have more receptions than George Kittle or Darren Waller, in my opinion. So I am high on Schultz. Uh, number seven we have is Dallas Goddard. I am down on Dallas Goddard. Why? Because he used to be Dalton Schultz. <laughs> and now he's not anything near it. So I'm not... Listen, I just, I just don't buy it. Well, you know, he's had great... Yes, he's had great years. Yes, He's been consistent. Yes, he chased Zach Ertz out of town. It's still Philadelphia. It's still a one-person show. If your name isn't Sean right now, live, name three wide receivers currently on the Eagles roster. Uh, we all know Sean can go seven deep. We know Sean memorizes the fucking depth charts. We <laughs> <laughs> right. got A.J. Brown. That one. guy. You have Deshaun Jackson, or did he finally retire? No, he's gone. Didn't he die? Number two is Devontae. Didn't die. See, see, this see, is the part other than Sean. This is why you get yelled at in party games. <laughs> you don't follow instructions. You were the kid in the phonics test where instruction number one was read all instructions before you do anything, and you just said, "Screw that! I'm going to go to number two. What? <laughs> uh, that's just my, I just don't think Philly has the weapons. So seven is Goddard. AJ, AJ, TJ Hawkinson comes in at number eight. We're all pretty much middle of the road on Hawkinson. Cinch is a little higher than others. So we'll see how that works out. Number nine is an interesting conversation because it's Pat Freermuth. And if you ask me and Sean, he's probably a top nine guy. But if you ask Craig, Craig would tell you he is not a tight end <laughs> one. Craig, why are we not considering Pat Freermuth? 
Um, giant shakeup at quarterback, and you know everyone thinks the Steelers are going to be make it back to the playoffs again. I just think they've been consistent, but I think there's too much change there. He was good last year. He had uh, sixty receptions, seven touchdowns. New so quarterback, new quarterback, and offensive change or changing their running game. I just think it's a big question mark for him. All right, so moving forward, number 10 is Zach Ertz. So our top 10 again is Kelsey, Andrews, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts at number five, Dalton Schultz, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Pat Fryermuth, and Zach Ertz. I just want to add. Go for it. After our top five there, I had our six through 10 ranked exactly six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and how we ranked them. He did. He did. He's got that in order. But you know what he doesn't have in order is number 11 which is Mike Jacecki. Craig, you have Mike Jacecki at number eight. Challenge. What the F? Uh, he is at eight mainly because of who his quarterback is, and he's going to be a safety net again like he was last year, even with Tyree Kill there. I'm not sold on Tyree Kill being the answer in Miami, no matter how many catches he gets in practice at 69 yards. So, I, I am of the opinion that Tua could not hit a parked car while the defensive line counted Mississippi's. So I have no faith here in Jacecki. But I do have faith in number 12, which is Dawson Knox. I think Knox is going to see some volume despite the number of targets there. I'm the only one who thinks so, but I will. that's a hill I'm willing to die on. A hill I'm not willing to die on is number 13, Noah Fant. But Craig and Sean are both pretty big on him, and Craig just did some talking. So, Sean... You got Noah Fant at 13. Why is Noah Fant uh, 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 just outside of tight end one? Um, I think he's just too good of a tight end, even in that situation that he's now in, uh, in Seattle. Uh, I mean, a quarterback's best friend is the tight end, so I think um, he's gonna get he's gonna get the targets. He's going to get, I think it's pure volume there. Where where else are they going to go other than DK Metcalf, really? And, uh, I mean, I know, uh, whatever. But when you can only throw a couple yards down the field anyway, who's it going to be? You're not going to throw to the to the home run guy who's DK Metcalf. You're going to throw to the guy in the middle, Noah Font. So, Yet I think you rated that... Cole Komet at 20. He comes in at number 14 on our list. We have Cole Komet oh, at 14. I'm sorry, I Craig did. I'm sorry. I'm getting my... I'm a beer and a half in, and I had a really <laughs> strong opening to the show. Sorry. So what's your other beer? Uh, what is the other beer? I don't know. Oh, it's a liquid courage from uh, Two Roads. Oh, okay. So, all right. So I'll bail Sean out of Noah Fant. My, my bad. Mia Culpa. Craig, Cole Komet, you have him at 20. Everybody else has him at 12. But you have him at 20, which makes him a number 14 overall. Give me a good 30 or 40 seconds on Cole Komet. Uh, he, I had him on several teams. He hurt me personally. Uh, he, had 60 re- <laughs> he had 60 receptions for 612 yards. You'll notice I did not say the word touchdown at all. He's going to get Because he didn't have one. And I think what, what they're going to do with Justin Fields is they're going to make Justin Fields run like every other quarterback now. So I don't think that's going to help Mr. Cole Komet. That's me. So, so let me, since I'm a Bears fan, sure. go in here. Sure, go ahead. Um, positive TD regression. Pe- yes, he had zero. There's nowhere to go but up. So he's gonna have <laughs> he's gonna have touchdowns this year. Or zero. Obviously. No, there's no more Jimmy Graham to to snipe these. Literally, it was like a a, a, a running back where you have. The guy that comes in on goal line situations, you know, and snipes the touchdown, that's what happened to Cole Komet. Mm. Jimmy Grant was the freaking sniping touchdown guy. That's not there anymore. Cole Komet is the clear-cut number one. I wouldn't even be surprised if he's better than number 12 um, this year. Wow. But uh, he's definitely going to be better than 20. So two quick things, and I, I, I want to get Cinch's thoughts on Cole Komet too here, but two quick things. Number one, was Jimmy Graham ever really there? Or was this like some sort of like metaphorical like <laughs> lesson we learned along the way thing? <laughs> and, and, and number two, don't ever forget, folks. You see, you hear this a lot. This, 
Sean just used positive regression in his explanation. And if you ever encounter somebody in real life who talks about how regression to the mean is sometimes positive, that means they're listening to Sirius XM uh, <laughs> Fantasy Sports Radio. Because who, it's, what, what's, what's, the, what's the guy who uses that all the time? The guy who used to work for, for Pro Football Focus, Jeff Ratcliffe. Yep. He's like all the time, don't forget, if you're below the mean and you regress to the mean, that means you're getting better. Yes, we get that. If you're moving towards the mean and you are in the bottom half, you're getting better. <laughs> so that was just a, sh- a sign that Sean's been listening to the radio. Sean, uh, Cinch, Cole Komet, your thoughts, just generally speaking. Okay, the Chicago Bears have never been a good offense. Mm. Now they have, they, they draft a very good prospect quarterback. And they go out and they hire a defensive guy as their head coach. Yeah, it's it just there's no. Ooh, it's a good point. There's no direction. It, it's a bunch of chickens running around with their heads cut off. The guy didn't have a touchdown last year. Neither did I. But no one's projecting me to score more this year. And you're making less than he does. Yes. Just generally speaking, we all are. I've got nothing against the guy. I just don't see a reason. I, <laughs> they but, need to show me. I, I need yeah. to see the Bears come out and and put you know, 42 points on a team. And then maybe I'll believe that they have some kind of offense going. Yep. I, I'm going to say, that's how I feel about Kyle Pitts. I, I put Kyle Pitts down at six and I was one of the lowest people to rank him. I need to see it. I keep hearing about how good he is. I need to see it. I think, I think with their, uh, with Getsy as their offensive coordinator, I know that's a defensive minded coach, but which I thought was wrong choice as well, Cinch. But um, Getsy, I think is a pretty good offensive coordinator comes from green bay so i think he knows how to how to run as long as they let him do his the offensive side of it you know and like how Nagy kept on trying to you know be the offensive guy i think it can work i sincerely hope so because i feel like the bears are the kind of team that the nfl is better when they are a good team yeah agreed Agreed. I'm going to give a shiny nickel to whatever uh, contributor can actually pronounce number 15's last name, because I know I can't. That's Albert O. Uh, yeah, Albert O. Oka Wigbaum? Oh, yeah, the guy from Washington. Just You don't have to give a nickel to anybody, because they nope, didn't get it. <laughs> no, I'm going to give myself a nickel, That's because I was smart enough to not try. Washington, that's uh, Den- uh, Denver. Denver. Oh, that's right, Denver. I apologize. All right, so he rounds out our top 15. So our uh, 11 through 15 is Mike Jacecki, Dawson Knox, Noah Fant, Cole Komet, and Albert O, whose name I can't pronounce. Now we enter the area of our rankings where I was like, wow, he's still in the league? Good for him. (laughs) Number 16 is Gerald Everett, followed by number 17, CJ Ozoma. Number 18 is Mo Alley-Cox, who I literally thought had retired. Number 19 is Tyler Higby, and number 20 is Hunter Henry. We're going to just keep moving for a little bit because we're running short on time. Number 21 is Logan Thomas. Number 22 is Irv Smith. Number 23 is David Njoku for reasons I will never understand. Number 24 is Austin Hooper, who used to be David Njoku. And number 25 is Hayden Hurst, who used to be Austin Hooper plus David Njoku. That group, 16 through 25, Everett, Uzoma, Ali Cox, Higby, Henry, Thomas, Irv Smith Jr., Njoku, <coughs> Hooper, Hurst. If you got to get stuck with one of those guys, which one are you hopefully you're okay with getting stuck with? Let's start with Craig. Uh, for me, it's going to be Mo Ali Cox because of who his quarterback is now. There, Sean. Mine, no doubt, is going to be Irv Smith. Yeah, that's that's my answer too. I just, I, I just feel good was, about it. He's too good. He got injured for all of last year. Last year was going to be his breakout year. It's going to be this year. Um. I think he's going to be a very good uh, sleeper pick. You know, if you're if you're a guy, you're not going to draft him as a number one, but if you get him as your your backup or or you know second tight end, if it's, there's a tight end premium and you want another tight end, mm-hmm. whatever, um, Irv Smith, I think is a is a good way to go. Cinch, who do you like in this sixteen to twenty five bracket? It doesn't matter. They they are all the same player. Uh, I guess I would take Gerald Everett because he's on a team that you're going to, he, he's on the Rams. They're going to throw it a lot. I assume there will be a lot of scoring. 
I don't see any of these guys jumping up higher than really where they are. Agreed. And with that, I'm going to kind of steamroll through the bottom part of our rankings because we're almost out of time. We haven't even talked about kickers and defenses yet. Number 26 is Evan Ingram. Number 27 is Cameron Brait. Good for him. Number 28 is Robert Tanyan. I know he was on the injury list. Has anyone done an update? Is he done for the year? I don't know. I have not heard a peep other than he was carted off the field. So we have Tanyan at 28, but I strongly recommend you double check on that before you draft him. Number 29 is Donald Parham. Number 30 is Brevin Jordan. Number 31 is Tyler Conklin. Number 32 is the mysterious Troutman, because <laughs> Sean was the only one who actually... Adam Troutman, New Orleans tight end. Thank you. Great. I don't even know New Orleans had a tight end anymore. Number 33 is Foster Moreau. Number 34 is O.J. Howard, for reasons I don't understand. And number 35 is Father Trey McBride. So that's our rankings. I'm going to run it down one more time. We're going to, go, we're going to go on, move on. Number one is Travis Kelsey. Number two is Mark Andrews. Number three, George Kittle, followed by Darren Waller and Kyle Pitts. Dalton Schultz comes in at number six, followed by Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, and Pat Fryermuth. Number 10 is Zach Ertz. Mike Jacecki, then Dawson Knox, Noah Fant, Cole Komet, and then Albert, whose last name I can't pronounce but begins with an O, comes in at number 15. 16 is Gerald Everett, followed by C.J. Ozoma, Mo Alley-Cox, Tyler Higby, Hunter Henry, Logan Thomas, Irv Smith comes in at number 22, David Njoku comes in at 23, as does the guy they brought in to replace him, Austin Hooper at number 24. Hayden Hurst drops out, uh, rounds out the top 25, followed by Evan Ingram, Cameron Brait, Robert Tanyan, if healthy, Donald Parham, Brevin Jordan, Tyler Conklin, the Trout Man, Austin Moreau, O.J. Howard, and we round out with Father Trey McBride. So that's our tight end rankings. Kickers! Gentlemen, you got 30 seconds each. Give me a kicker preview. Let's start with Craig. And I am timing you. Uh, pick one. I'm probably going to draft Evan McPherson because he's good and very consistent. And look for people who have offenses that score a lot there. Fantastic. Cinch. Uh, Tucker McPherson. <clears throat> Excuse me. McPherson. <laughs> uh, Butker. Go to a team that's going to score a lot. That's my advice. Sean, and I'm serious, 30 seconds. Get a, get a kicker that, that's on a team that scores <laughs> a lot. Um, I like to pick one that has an early bye week so that when I have to drop them, other people have to drop their other kickers that are later, and they're good ones. So I just pick them up and then uh, have that kicker for the rest of the way. Oh, my God, you got 22 seconds. Thank, good job. Uh, yes, you're not going to keep this guy for the whole season, and it doesn't really matter. So you're going to pick the best one available based on whatever magazine or website you look at, and you're going to drop him for the next best available guy when he has an off week. So do that. Defensive preview. Me, pick one. If you get the Bills, great. But guess what? You're going to drop them in week seven or eight when they're off anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Just don't draft the Jets, Seahawks, or Falcons. Craig? Uh, wow, that really sums it up. Yeah, you're going to probably want the Bills first and maybe the 49ers or maybe the Bucks later on. But yeah, don't draft the Jets defense or the Texans. Maybe you don't want them either. Or Sean. the Falcons. Yeah, them too. Sean. I mean, you can draft a, uh, um, if you're lucky enough to get a, a, a top flight defense. That's great. You know, just remember you're going to have to drop somebody else to keep them on their bye week. Um and then, you know, go from there. I tend to stream them like a lot of people do, uh, looking for matchups. But that's it. Good job. Cinch. I like the Rams. I like the Bills. I like the Broncos. I like the Chargers. They added a couple of guys. They could really be in line to take a jump. And that is our tremendous under one minute kicker and defensive preview. Because I agree completely with all three of them and I have nothing more to add which means we are up to final thoughts. Let's go around the horn. Let's start with Craig. Craig, what's your final th thought tonight? Uh, my final thought is now's the best time to start doing some drafts, mock drafts, uh, best ball, just get some practice in, uh, because we are going to be in the middle of August before you know it. So, Great. Sean, final thought. Um, wait, now is the time to start doing drafts? I've been doing drafts. You have a oh, problem. Um, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> final 
thoughts, you know what? Um, with the tight ends, if you don't get one of those top, I'd say five guys, which is pretty much is the consensus there, you know, you could wait a little longer. Uh, don't feel like you have to jump on somebody. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of guys that, that can move up. Because um, after those top five, it's kind of like a, a crapshoot. You know, I mean, yeah, you could go Goddard, you know, if you like him. You could go Schultz. But um, don't over don't overextend for those guys. Um, after those top five, you're going you're to have a drop-off. And uh, if But if you, you, you hit the lottery and one of them jumps up for the year, that's great. But don't count on it. Cinch, your final thought for tonight. A lot of what Sean said, but just remember when you're drafting, you're trying to draft who's going to give you the most points. So don't make the mistake of looking at, okay, I've got a receiver running back. All right, it's time to take a tight end. Because at that point, you're better off taking another receiver, maybe a running back, a different position. So the way I look at tight end, if there's a guy you want, go get him. And if not, just wait, because the, the, the last 15 tight ends might as well all be the same guy. Try to avoid someone who has uh, a history of injuries, and good luck, because, I mean, it's tight end. Yeah. And my advice for you guys, my final thought this week, is very simply, if you have questions, this is, this is the time... If you listen to sports talk radio or like Sean, all you do is absorb Sirius XM sports talk radio or fantasy radio. This is the worst time of the year. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry is lined up with their, oh, I, I have the Titans defense and this random rookie and a guy who retired three weeks ago, like Gronk, but might come back. And I need to drop one. You are in line behind all those crazy bastards. If you email us a question... We can address it live, and the next two episodes are going to be roundtables where we talk about just general issues and draft prep. Now is the time to reach out to us. Do a mock draft. You see a name you don't know? Write to us. Do a mock draft. You see somebody you have a tough decision? Write to us. We would love to hear your questions. So my advice to you and my final thought is just now is the time to just sit there and say, you know what? I listen to the football fig nuts all the time. Now is the time for me to ask my draft question because three weeks from now, we're going to be inundated. And right now, all the air quotes experts are inundated. Take advantage of our resource. And if you take advantage of our resource, we would really appreciate if you would help out our podcast. How can you do that? Easy. Leave us a, a review wherever you listen to us. Whatever podcast directory you found us on, Spotify, Player FM. I said I wasn't going to list them anymore. Apple. I'm going to stop now. Wherever you listen to us, leave us a review. It really helps promote the podcast. And if you do want to send us a question, there's a number of ways you can do it. We are at FignutsDFS on Twitter. We are the Football Fignuts Podcast on Facebook. And we're also available during, via email. Uh, we're at FignutsDFS at gmail.com. I know email feels like old technology. I actually met with a person this week who looked at me and went, Oh dear, I don't have email. She was 90. But she had no email. Because I literally said, I will finish this project and I will email it to her. And she went, oh dear, I don't have email. I can't, I'm, I'm not joking. I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> I believe it. Send it to her on TikTok. What's that? Send it to her on TikTok. I, she, I'm printing out and mailing a copy to her tomorrow. That's literally what she wants me to do. So... By all means. But Amen. Next, next week, we will be back. Contributors, I'm giving you homework. Each, oh, of you man. Needs, each of you needs to just bring one or two topics to the table that pertains to draft prep that you want to discuss. That's what we're doing next week. It's our draft prep roundtable. Let's sit down and let's help people get ready for draft. Things you're looking for, things you want to look for, people you're concerned about, people you're interested in, what other people's takes are. Bring whatever you got. And hey, listeners, that's the kind of stuff you can send us to. I want to thank our contributors for joining us. Sean and Cinch, excellent insight as always. I really appreciate you guys joining us. Um, Craig, as always, fantastic job. And thank you so much for listening. I do want to send a very special shout out at the end of our episode today to our good friend, Deb. Hi, Deb. Um, 
Hi, Deb. Deb is home and recovering from a medical procedure. She is fine. She is doing well by all accounts. We are so pleased to hear that. And you were in our thoughts all day today. At least you were in my thoughts all today. I don't know about these other guys. Definitely. Yeah, for the most part. Can't, Probably. can't stop thinking about her. There you go. <laughs> you got you got an entire podcast behind you, Deb. So thank you for all your support. So I, I don't know what else to say other than we will see you guys next week. I can't wait. The roundtables are both the most exciting and infuriating episodes of the year because you guys have so many great ideas and so many great things to share that I have trouble condensing it into one episode. So I look forward to hearing from you guys next week. Thank you again to Cinch and Sean. Thank you to Craig. Until we speak next, my name is Britt. I'm Craig. And we are the Football Fig Nuts Podcast. (laughs) 